0: Gentlemen, welcome to the Alpha M Podcast, the podcast where I talk business, self-improvement, lifestyle, and more. Whether or not it's just me sort of talking, a little bit of audio action for you to enjoy, or me sitting down with a special guest to find out more about the steps they took to become successful. Whether or not you're listening to this on the go, you're sitting at home right now listening, I appreciate your time. And so if you're ready, let's dive in to this next badass episode gentlemen welcome back to the Alpha M podcast today I've got an incredibly strong and good friend of mine his name is Matt Reynolds I first met Matt Reynolds a few years ago at the Men influential conference I'm like who is this massive man coming in and doing his thing and you were swarmed by all of these, all of these guys that were like, "Oh my gosh," you know, it's Matt Reynolds from from uh, from, from from the guy that's actually like helping them work out. And, and anyway, we'll get into that in a second. But Matt Reynolds, you have a podcast. You also are the CEO and founder of Barbell Logic. Barbell Logic is the largest, if I'm not mistaken, online sort of coaching and strength training sort of business or service that's out there. You also help people with custom diets, but it's a real hands-on approach and it's something that I am absolutely fascinated by because you and I sort of have something similar in common. We fell in love with fitness and working out at a, at a fairly young age. Um, Matt, so welcome to the show, but I just want to start and, and talk a little bit about your, your story because it's super fascinating. Not only were you a competitive strongman, which I find absolutely mind-blowing because I would watch it on, on television, um, you were a high school teacher at one point as well, correct?
1: Yeah, it's true that's true so
0: how do you how does this how does this work how do you go from teacher strongman to owning and operating the largest online fitness coaching program out there
1: yeah well first off thanks for having me on the show it's exciting to be able to talk to you guys uh we got to hang out a, a few months ago back at your place which was which was a blast and uh yeah, so, man, I, I was a very average athlete in high school. Uh, I, I usually say painfully average athlete. I, uh, I loved to play sports. I was super competitive. Uh, and I usually started the teams that I played on, but I, I knew I, – I could always look back at the, the bench and say, man, there were three or four guys sitting on that bench that were better than I was. And I just worked really hard. What sports? So, uh, sports? I played I, – so mostly basketball, basketball, baseball, track. Never got to play football, always wanted to play football, uh, graduated high school. So it's funny, I'm, I'm 250 now. I'm in my competitive strongman days. I was over 300 pounds. I graduated high school at 170, actually no. about 160. Yeah. And got me. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine me with uh, not very big and then with a full luscious head of hair? Uh, which I also no longer have. So um, yeah, man, I, I played sports. I was into them, uh, but didn't have a didn't have an outlet when I got into college. And um, was a was a fairly smart kid and did well in the standardized tests and whatnot. So really was focused in college on academics. Uh, but man, I needed that outlet for for competition, and I and I didn't have it because I wasn't good enough to play college sports. And so I I I found I, I trained for maybe a year or so my freshman year of college. Uh, like a bodybuilder for aesthetics only, but not really knowing where that was going to go, and I didn't really have a desire to to step on stage and have a beauty pageant with other dudes with a pink thong bikini. I don't, not there's anything wrong with that. I just knew it wasn't. <laughs> going to... Wait, wait, <laughs>
0: there are shows with thongs. <laughs> I'm not
1: a, I'm not pretty enough to do beauty pageants with other guys. And so I discovered the sport of powerlifting and, uh, you know, this sport where basically it encouraged you to lift as much weight as you could and, and also eat essentially whatever you wanted to eat. And that sounded like a lot of fun, especially for an underweight 170 pound kid at the time. And so, uh, got to be pretty decent at powerlifting. Uh, You know, there's a lot of guys out there with strong legs and strong backs and, you know, focused on squats and deadlifts and whatnot. Um, in 2005, I turned my attention to strongman, mostly just sort of out of, I was kind of tired of just doing the three main lifts all the time for for powerlifting, and so competed in strongman. Did very well my first year you, as let me, a. Let
0: me, ask, let me ask you a question, Matt. How do you even train?
1: For yeah, strongman? it's a great question. Be-
0: because you're, you, you, I see it on TV, you know, and they're they're lifting the big rocks, they're pulling, yeah. tr- you know, trucks, they're they're carrying, you know, heavy things, and they're throwing barrels over over bars. How do you yeah. train? for something like a strongman competition because, you know, obviously you're a strong guy, but that's a different kind of strong. Yes. Right. For sure.
1: And there's a skill to that. I mean, it's really a sport. So powerlifting is a sport too, I guess, but, but you're just doing the same movement over and over again. So it's this sort of like repeatable pattern with strongman. There's a, there's a skill and there's a lot of sort of unknown in strongman now today almost any nice CrossFit gym has a ton of strongman equipment in it. So there, access to that kind of equipment is is much more easily found in 2021. In 2005, I mean, CrossFit hadn't even broken through yet. That was 2008, 2009. And uh, I knew that there was a professional strongman up in Kansas City. I, I live in Missouri, in southwest Missouri. And I called this professional strongman. And he answered the phone. And I said, hey, here's what I'm wanting to do and how to get started. And he said, come up and train with me one day. And so we did. And he had all those fun implements and did the log presses and the stones and the tire flips. And uh, and so from that point forward, I started to procure equipment, make equipment, you know, go get, uh, you know, try to find out or maybe buy a keg of beer and then not return the keg, <laughs> pay the deposit, <laughs> fill it up with, uh, fill it up with concrete or sand. And now you got a heavy keg to throw and. And just started, you know, going to the queries and and getting tires and whatnot. So competed as a strongman in 2005 as an amateur. Did uh, it was the first sport I ever did that I was that I was sort of felt naturally good at. I was I remember I, I did Kansas Strongest Man as my very first show. Had not a very good day and still won the whole show. And I was like, whoa wait a minute, this is interesting. Maybe I'm better at this sport than any of the other things I've ever done. And so I really pushed all in uh, 2005 into 2006. And at the time, there were only two new pros every year and uh, did the first Pro-Am show and was leading through the first three events, got to what's called a Conan's Wheel, where you pick up a 700-pound bar and you're basically in the crooks of your arm and have to walk this big, giant circle, about a 30-foot diameter circle. I'd never done that before. I mean, imagine the footprint it takes for this giant circle, you know, it's like a... And uh, struggled on that event, ended up taking second at the contest, but went to the the next contest, the only other one where we were, we were going to have pros that year, and uh, and won one Utah Strongest Man in two thousand six, and did did pretty well. Actually, by the time I got to the last event, I only had to load one stone to win. So if I, as long as I didn't zero out, then I was going to win. Um, it was tough, man. We my wife was a teacher at a t- At the time, I had just graduated from college to be a teacher. Uh, You know, I didn't think there was any money in this in the fitness industry, at least with in this sort of niche strength training, powerlifting, strongman side, and uh, there really still isn't very much there. And I've I've been able to sort of figure out how to make that work.
0: Another question I have is, uh, it's pretty unhealthy, right? An unhealthy sport, would you say, or would you? You know, because that's kind of the the interesting thing about it, right? You see these men that are super strong. Yeah. But it's not a healthy thing for your body, is it? No.
1: So I mean, it's it's easy for us to look at at football players and say the NFL is not healthy, but those guys are making millions of dollars. So you go, well, that's you know the maybe the risk is worth the reward. Um, in powerlifting and strongman, you've got a bunch of guys, at, especially back then, who were just trying to get as big as they possibly could. So copious amounts of food, often copious amounts of performance enhancing drugs. Um, you know, a lot of strong men. There's a, there's a, it's a, a low. I mean, you get a lot of guys dying in their 40s and mm-hmm. and 50s. And so, uh, I did. Yeah, it's not not very healthy. It's really hard on the joints. You can imagine. I need double hip replacements. And I, I kind of had double bad hips f- genetically in the first place. But you put a thousand pounds on your back on a yoke and run down the street with it. There's <laughs> nothing more. I mean, just um, there's no, nothing more. Uh, tough on your joints than, than that so you're talking about really high impact so yeah. uh, I competed on the World strongest man circuit got lucky won my pro card was uh was you know went from being basically one of the best amateurs the best amateur in the country to the worst pro in the country overnight it was a whole different ball game I you know I won the show with Brian Shaw who's won the World strongest man four years that guy's six seven six eight four hundred sixty 460 pounds and here mm-hmm. I was at six, one and eating everything I could to be 300 pounds. I mean, it was very difficult to keep up, and so um, I, I knew I was never going to have fame in that world. But I really enjoyed training, and I, I really enjoyed learning about strength. And then started to uh, because of the the lack of equipment in the area. I ended up opening a gym in 2008, and um, it's called Strong Gym. It ended up being the largest um, the largest privately owned pure strength gym in the country, and ran were you, it.
0: Uh, were you still a teacher at this point?
1: I was. So when I opened it, I was a teacher. I went to get my master's uh, to be a high school principal. By the time I had graduated with my master's, which was in, I believe, 09, uh, I knew that I probably wasn't going to stay in education my entire life. And, and the gym had started doing really well. And there was a lot of work there. But it, you know, it was this, what we figured out is we, we took this gym with kind of a hardcore strength training style and figured out how to apply it to everyday America, to general population. So we had this incredibly clean gym, uh, very nice building. You know, we, we had moved several times each time we moved a little nicer place by the end. We bought a 15,000 square foot freestanding building in the gentrified downtown. It actually reminds me a lot of like downtown Marietta where you're at just mm-hmm. this really nice downtown area. And so we, um, certainly there's not enough uh, powerlifters and strongmen to make money in a place like that. And I think that's where a lot of these gyms struggle. But we were, we had great customer service, super clean, the place smelled clean, looked clean, was clean. Uh, And then we taught business executives and soccer moms and dads how to train like powerlifters and strongmen. And they obviously didn't train quite as heavy or quite, you know, but for them, it felt like this sort of cool, badass thing that they were doing. And so, um, it worked. And so that, that gym grew and grew and I ended up, uh, doing well and selling it at the end of 2015 and then turning my attention wholeheartedly to, uh, to online coaching and the online coaching industry is interesting, man, because it's a, it's a multi, multi multi-billion dollar industry at this point. And even back then in 2008, and of course, way more people are doing it now. Um, when i started doing it in, in in 05 06 07 08 and then going full time in 16 the thing that i saw is that nobody was really coaching so they called it online coaching but what they were really doing is they were selling programs they were selling templates they were like hey you know pay me $50 for an excel spreadsheet or a, a google sheet or or whatever and i was like well that's not really coaching that's programming which is fine uh, but for me i knew that i wanted to bring i wasn't going to do a race to the bottom i didn't want to be mcdonald's in the fitness industry i I had spent a lot of time sort of building my chops as a, as a coach and was certainly at, by that point more well-known as a coach than I was an athlete. I, I really pretty much retired from competitive lifting in about 2010. And I've done a little bit since then, just, just toying around, but I became mostly known as a coach. And I just wanted to bring really, really, really good service to people. And if I'm going to bring good service to people, I've got to see your workouts. And so I started that by myself in 16. I had my clients film all their workouts, film all their heavy lifts. And within 24 hours, I would always break down those videos for them. Just like, you know, it's Monday Night Football and and the commentators breaking down the X's and O's. And I, I did the same thing. And so that exploded in 2016. Uh, ended up adding 35 staff members or so by the end of that year and wow. has just continued to grow. And so now we're we're a company uh, of about 85 employees um, I think we've got nearly 70 professional barbell coaches, professional coaches. And we do kind of a similar thing to what I had done at Strong Gym, which is we connect people who don't otherwise have access to a professional coach. We connect them via online to be able to do that. And so you you get paired with this tremendous coach who gives yes, gives you your personalized programming, not templates. You video yourself on your phone. We've got our own software, our own app. You upload it to the app. The coach breaks down your coach, breaks down your videos within twenty-four hours. And it's just been awesome. Man, churn's really low. Our churn is under two percent per month. So it's it's crazy low. People stay. Um and I'm you know, I've just got an incredible staff, and so it's just continued to take off.
0: So talk a little bit about, you know, I come from a a different lifting style. You know, I I was interested in looking good, right? The bodybuilding sure. You know the isometric, you know not the isometric, but you know doing bicep curls and yeah, and isolation all the, stuff and exactly. Yeah. And so, talk a little bit about and and this is something where I'm I'm almost a little bit embarrassed to acknowledge, but I never did growing up deadlifts. I never really did heavy squats. I never did you know heavy bench press. I was always doing you know lo- walking lunges and you know and leg extensions and hamstring yeah. curls and then you know your side raises and dumbbell flies, but then about I guess it was about three years ago, I started listening to you, I started listening to our friend Ryan Masters talking yeah. about you know the big three lifts, the squats, the deadlift, the bench press. And I'm like, all right, well, let me see if I can actually do this. And what was amazing to me was that my body really started to change and I started yeah. to get stronger everywhere. And um, it's, it's really amazing to see just the difference when you actually start using and lifting in that manner and working all of those, those stabilizing muscles. And, and it's this chain reaction of, of muscular, you know, it's almost like a a dance that ends up happening with you lifting and, 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 and moving this heavy ass shit through space. Why is that so much more effective for people than the, you know, the, the old school, you know, do target heart rate cardio in your target zone sure. and then, you know, do your bicep curls and, and talk a little bit through why it's so effective and how somebody like a soccer mom or, you know, seniors are actually benefiting from yeah. these lifts as well. Because that's another thing, right? You, you program for, for everybody, that's you right. know, in terms of, you know, somebody who is, is younger, somebody who's older, man, woman, there's really no limitation in terms of who you can work with.
1: Yeah, that's so thank you. It's a great setup there. It's exactly right. I mean, it really comes. So first off, there's a there is has been over the last five years or so, a little bit of a paradigm shift for us that um, we used to be a little more strength at all costs sort of thing. That's not who we love strength. Strength to us is the most important thing because if you think of all of the physical attributes, so you can have strength and you can have speed and you can have size and you can have power and you can have agility, all those sort of things, strength is the only one that has a positive effect on all of them, including endurance. Now, you know, if somebody is completely sedentary and they go and they do, if you've never done a heavy set of five or six or eight squats, you don't understand how cardiovascularly intensive that is. It's very, it's very. now, is that enough to be able to just do squats and go around a half, you know, a half marathon, absolutely not. You got to have some more, but strength affects every single physical attribute in a positive way. And it's not a two-way street, right? The same thing about you take somebody who's been sedentary, you teach them how to do squats or deadlifts or presses in full range of motion, their mobility gets better, right? And so there is this sort of bro science out there that says, well, if I get too strong or I get too big, I'm going to get tight. Uh, I'm not going to be mobile or, you know, you get this consistently mostly from the female crowd, but from guys as well that say, you know, I don't, I don't want to get that big. Like as if that's Except an accident, that, that, okay. you okay, accidentally so. you'll gain 30 pounds of <laughs> that muscle. Is,
0: that is, let is, is let's unpack that just for a second, Matt. That is one of the classic. Things that I used to hear when I was selling, you know, fitness memberships at Bally's yeah. Health Club, a woman, well, I don't want to get too big, or a guy, I don't want to get too big. I'm thinking to myself, I've been trying to get too big for 20 yeah, years, and, that's right. and I'm, I'm limited to my genetic, <laughs> my genetic potential. And so, is that one of the big misconceptions that a lot of for people sure. have, is that if they start lifting heavy weights, they're going to be, you know, look like, you know, like men? In terms yeah, of, of women? course. I mean, that's,
1: yeah. that's, and it's just what, I think what culture and what the media has has taught to people and the reality is this is that it's not very easy for a guy to put on muscle we work really hard to try to put but most guys do want to put on some muscle right and what never happens is you don't wake up one morning like you would never wake up one morning and be 230 and go oh my god how'd this happen right like that doesn't (laughs) accidentally happen (laughs) and so as a matter of fact and and this is the other problem is you've got you know the elephant is in the room is that you've got this dark horse PED issue which is that those are so prevalent and 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 the line is PED getting... Stu- exp- that, that's sorry, performance perform- enhancing, perform- enhancing drugs, yeah. steroids and so, uh, but the line is getting sort of fuzzy now because most men over 40 years old will have low testosterone and that's becoming much more the cultural norm to get an actual prescription from your doctor to bring your test. You don't want low testosterone just as much as you don't want really, really uber, super physiological levels of testosterone, right? But the point is that guys... Alone with just their natural endogenous, meaning already in your body, testosterone, don't really have enough to accidentally look like a big bodybuilder. Women have zero ability to do this. They don't have the ability to put on muscle that way. Can they put on a little bit of muscle? Yeah, a little bit. But what's crazy is that women will usually use the word tone. I just want to tone up, which by the way, if from a physiological standpoint it's not even a real thing what you know what they mean is <laughs> i want my muscles to be more defined i don't really want them bigger i want less body fat on them that those are the things they're saying and what they what our experience is is that coming back to that original question is that the return on investment for the big lifts the squats the deadlifts the heavy presses overhead presses and bench presses is so much better than the isolation movements to do that very thing so what's crazy is Guys get stronger and bigger, but not scary bigger and not, oh, my God, I look like, a you know, I, like I'm going to step on the stage at Mr. Olympia. That's never going to happen. And women's bodies, and of course, I'm painting with a broad brush here. Not everybody wants to look the same, but in general, their bodies respond the way they always wanted them to respond from the, you know, doing three pound dumbbells for sets of 20. It's amazing when a woman starts to squat and deadlift, she's like, oh, my God, I'm I'm growing an ass I'm growing like I'm getting muscle where I want and I'm my waist is getting smaller and so it really comes back to that return on investment the reason the ROI is better for those big lifts is because you're using more muscle mass across the board when I do a squat my entire body below my neck is loaded so my legs right the muscles around my hips are the prime movers of that so my my hamstrings my glutes my quads my adductors the inside of my thighs that's moving that bar, but your entire back is loaded too because the bar's up on your back. It's not down on your legs. And with that, because we train much more muscle, there's an adaptive response to all that muscle. And so that your body has the ability of A, growing a little more muscle, and B, also producing more contractile force. It has the ability to produce more force, i.e., get stronger. But then there's a third component, which is that you're never going to get a hormonal response from a one arm concentration curl there's nothing wrong with the concentration curl it's just not hard enough it's not stressful enough to cause an actual positive hormonal change in the body heavy squats will it actually makes your body produce more testosterone it actually makes this hormonal thing happens that makes you bigger and stronger and faster and more athletic and so what we do is we start with those big lifts Everybody wants to look better. I want to look better. You know, I've I've lost 50, 55 pounds in the last, I don't know, six or seven months now. Feel a million times better. Am way healthier. Uh, But I still do, the basics of what I do are still those four main lifts. Now, I still do some isolation movements at the end. I still love doing some curls. I love getting my bro pump on. I feel good doing it. There's nothing (laughs) wrong with that stuff. What I'm amazed about, though, is the number of, of guys who are 165 pounds. Of course, that's, you know. If you're five two like you are, that's 165 could be I'm pretty good. Now I'm just giving you a hard time. Now, so depending on how tall you are, if you're underweight, if you're underweight, and yeah. you want to gain some appreciable muscle, isolation work is not the best way to do it. It's the big. It's the big lifts are going to give you the best bang for your buck, and so that's that's why we start there.
0: I love it. So, do you guys incorporate in any of your coaching programs? Do you incorporate any other exercises, or how does cardio fit into yeah, the, the for program? Everybody. Like 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 talk a little bit through how you guys have adapted this 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 idea of okay these are the three main lifts we're going to be having you film it but it's, that's, a, that's only one dimension of fitness, right? Correct. You've also got, you know, you've got your cardiovascular, which yep. you do touch on with the big lifts. I mean, you, you do a few, you know, a set of deadlifts, you are out of breath and you're, you're panning breathing. and you're wanting to sit, sure. sit down. But then you've also got the, the dietary aspect or component to that. So the three yes. areas, you've got muscle, you know, the strength yep. training, the cardiovascular training, and then the diet. How do you guys yep. incorporate all three in a, a um, barbell logic strength coaching program
1: yeah so i i think anytime you leave one of those out this it, is kind of my i'm going to give you a little bit of my philosophy on on nutrition just in general as well i'm not a huge fan of diets that cut entire macronutrients out of the diet right and I'm, that doesn't mean it won't work so you see a lot of people are like i'm not i'm never gonna eat carbs carbs are evil i'm never gonna eat fat fat's evil like look man it's it, it's we got to have a right balance of these things and in training, it's the same way. So if it's strength for and only strength, unless you are a world champion powerlifter, where that is the only goal, and my guess is that there are none of those listening or very few of those listening to the podcast right now, then strength is this major component of what we're trying to do, as well as as some hypertrophy, some gaining some some proper muscle. So that's one aspect. But the other aspect is what we, we tend to call activity, which could, so we want to make sure that our people are more active. So that could be as simple as, like I, 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 First thing every morning when my wife gets up, we go for a walk. You, you run. Uh, I do. We do it at night before we go to bed as well. And we also do some some high intensity interval type training when I'm doing the lifting. But I have increased my activity level tremendously. We love to hike. We love to ruck. For some guys, that's going to be playing in the men's basketball league. For like, it's going to be maybe doing a a Spartan race or a mud run with your your spouse or or whatever. Right. So those things are great. So we always bring those in. And we bring those in for several different reasons. The one piece is the health aspect. So, you know, we got to be careful. I can't say that everything we do here literally makes you healthy. But if I'm middle of the bell curve, people who are focusing on actually working their heart as well, and they're getting their heart pumping all the time via some sort of cardiovascular training, it has been shown, obviously, it's a logical explanation, it's logical, kind of self-evident that your heart is healthier, that your cardiovascular fitness is better. And so we always sort of bring that in. The focus for us, if somebody's not preparing for a specific sport, if they're not actually getting ready for a mud run, and they're just wanting to be generally healthy, is at the end of their workouts, we always add some form of, of high-intensity, low-impact, low-skill movements. What I don't like is uh, high-rep box jumps for somebody because it's way too much impact. I, w- I don't tend to like strongman-type stuff. It's too much impact. I love pushing a sled, pushing a prowler, dragging a sled, C2 rower, echo bike, airdyne. All those things are very low impact. Swimming is one of the best things you can do this time of year, right? Riding a bike around your neighborhood. Anything that's going to be low impact, but that you can still do it hard and really get your heart pumping is a great thing. So we do that. But man, that cardiovascular benefit, you can get it in such a short amount of time if you do hit, I mean, 10 or 12 minutes at the end of your workout fulfills that criteria criteria really really well and so we we do that and then the third piece and I won't go down the rabbit hole too much is we have registered dietitians that are outstanding and we tackle nutrition for everybody that wants to do that about half of our clients utilize our nutrition service as well our nutrition is focused on it's again it's not a template it's very personal uh, we start with what we call the triage method. So we look at what you're eating for three or four days. We do what's called a visual food diary. You, you take pictures of literally everything you eat and we say, change nothing about what you're eating. If you're eating a bag of Reese's peanut butter cups, eat it for the next couple of days. We got to see what you're eating. And then we triage. So like if you're having a six pack of beer every night before you go to bed, that's probably going to be the first thing we're going to try to change. And we're probably not going to take all the beer away. We're going to go, can we do one beer at night instead of six beers or whatever that thing is, right? Or if you're hammering chocolate or going to, you know, fast food three times a week or three times a, a day, we've got to fix that stuff. So we triage. And then we focus nutrition on just sustainable habit-based nutrition, developing a right relationship with food. So, you know, we don't necessarily, we probably tend to lean a little heavily towards a towards a macro-based or calorie-based uh, sort of program, but it's not a diet. Everything we want to do is sort of sustainable, set up for long-term and longevity, and so yeah, we, we tackle all three of those, and I think if you don't, then you're an incomplete service. So both yeah. that strength and hypertrophy, cardiovascular and nutrition are all super important. You
0: know, you know it's funny though, um, and this is another thing that I think we probably both agree on, you know, diet has become almost the new religion, right? Yeah, Where people are super excited to tell you when they find something that works for them or it's something new, and, and, you know, being on this side of the equation where I've seen everything from Adkins to, you know, like like we've seen it throughout the years. Yep. And what I always come back to is everything in balance, right, yep. you can have carbohydrates, carbohydrates are not the devil, you right. know, you know, fat is okay. You know, there's, there's all sorts of, you know, there's all sorts of fads and, and, and people that are really like excited to tell you about, you know, the method and, and way that they're eating. But I always come back to just, you know, Common sense nutrition. You know, you want to eat yep. a balanced diet. You don't want to eat, you know, bacon every day. It's not necessarily good. Will you lose weight because your body goes into ketosis? Possibly, but is sure. that a long way to sustain yourself? You know, I don't know. I can't sure. say that one way or the other. But um, so what? So you're. It sounds like you are on the same same side of that. It's, it's just be smart, sure. make better decisions with your diet. You know, eat the healthy fats. Eat lean protein carbohydrates yeah. are fine you know reduce your sugar as much as possible but that's right but all those you know that's, that's it exa- right?
1: that's exactly right exactly the same thing for us and and for us it's really about what is sustainable I mean you hit it so for some people they might be able to do intermittent fasting and and not eat in the morning there's nothing wrong with that at all right but if you're if you're starving in the morning or you train in the morning you need some calories to fuel your training it's probably not the best option so Uh, We're really careful about vilifying any diet and it's not because we're trying to play politics. It's more of we're trying to figure out what is the type of nutrition plan that fits your lifestyle that's long term sustainable. I mean, look. Everybody's had the time where you're like, look, I'm four weeks out from going to the beach. I really want to look good. I want to do a little four-week blast diet to get ready for the beach. There's nothing wrong with that either, as long as you recognize that that's not sustainable. The way you're going to eat the last four weeks getting ready to go to the beach or uh, or if you're going to do a bodybuilding show. I mean, those guys, they don't look like that year-round. They look like that for one day. That's the point.
0: And it's the worst you feel. (laughs) <laughs> you oh yeah, you yeah, you yeah, that's right. <laughs> you and horrible.
1: you feel awful, right? Cuz you're completely depleted, you haven't had water, you haven't had carbs. So, uh, we are looking for sustainable long-term nutrition. By the way, we do our head nutrition coach and this is it's free so it's just a not even a, a a whatever. I'm not throwing in a, a, a big pitch. plug here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she Jillian Ward. By the way, she took third of the CrossFit Games in 2008. She set the all-time world record in powerlifting. She's an IFBB pro bodybuilder. I mean, she's like she's basically like Samson from the Bible for a female. She's the she's just the most amazing. This girl set the Guinness Book of World Records on push-ups when she was 16 and was on the cover of the New York Times. She's our head head nutritionist. She's fantastic. But she put together a what we call the 10 day nutrition challenge, which is just kind of a jump off you and it's free we did it with our kids because it's help. it like it's there's nothing that you would go i wouldn't want my six-year-old or 10-year-old doing this right it's like drink more water eat more fiber you know less sugar Mm -hmm. uh no caffeine after two things like that and it works phenomenally well so a lot of times that's a great starter to to get going so yeah i am just like you all that stuff has to be in balance and find the thing that's sustainable
0: all right, Matt. So we talk a little bit about entrepreneurship here on this on this channel. So what I want to do now is just you know with the time we've got remaining, sort of talk a little bit through sort of your story to some degree. Um, you know, you have had some struggles over the years. It hasn't been just you know you started and everything was amazing and you're killing it and millions of dollars. It, it's not sure. that. It's not. It's not that. And so you've struggled with with different things over the years. What would you say would be your biggest mistake? that you've made in growing this business. You know, I, I, what I love about your business, you know, when I often look at a lot of these, you know, or I think back to when I was in the fitness industry, I wanted to own a gym. Like that was the only thing I wanted to do. And then it was, okay, then I'll do, you know, some franchises of, of some some facilities. And when I when I look at sort of what you're doing, you're doing like kind of like the ultimate, like modern day approach to a way to sustain a business with fitness using the internet And in a method and and manner that that is that is incredible. But over the years, there have been some mistakes, I'm sure that you've made and you would go back if you could and and possibly change it or you wouldn't change it. But just perspective is gained. And so what would you say would be your your biggest mistake over the years that you've had this business that uh, if you had to identify one or two possible issues that you could uh, point out for the audience?
1: That's that's a great question. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, I've had. I've made lots of mistakes. I, um, I I like a lot of entrepreneurs have sort of superhero syndrome and we think we can do it all and do it better than everybody else. And so, um, one of the places that got me early, uh, when I was a young business owner and entrepreneur is I, I didn't treat my staff like I treated my clients. And I think, I think you should, I think staff, if you, they are clients, they are your clients, you've got to treat them as such. And so, uh, there were times when I thought that I was a really good leader to my staff, and I recognized that I, I wasn't. I, I would be political with my staff, not like literal U.S. politics, but, you know, I would try to pit people against. And I, and I would look back and go like, man, that's so gross that I did that stuff. And it's it's I would never do that with my clients, but I did it some with my staff, and that caused resentment in my staff, especially for the first business, for for the gym that I had. Um, You know, and then as time has gone on, we uh, we were in a pretty big lawsuit uh, back in 2019 uh, with my old mentor and, um, you know, a a big name in fitness and a big brand in fitness. And they uh, I was sort of their golden boy coming along and was sort of number two in that in that industry or in that uh, brand. And um, as we broke off and built Barbell Logic, uh, they later sued us for trademark infringement because we had had all these. All this content, videos, um, articles, and whatnot that, that still titled me as being part of that organization, which I wasn't. And I didn't necessarily want it to be part of it, but because it was historical documents. So just imagine, right? So it was like, you know, Aaron Marino working for, with bodybuilding.com 20, 2012. You know, it's like, you were. It was like, whatever, right? Yeah. And so it, as time goes on, Maybe you're not affiliated with those, some of those places, but those things still live because it's the internet and things. History lives on forever, and so um, in some of that, you know, it was very difficult to to be resilient and learn how to how to live through the really really tough times. By the way, I think it's the thing that's actually made us succeed in modern day is to go. The difference between a business owner and a true entrepreneur, and I, by the way, I don't think everybody's called to be an entrepreneur. I think there's nothing wrong with being a mom and pop business owner having a good time. It's just not the way I'm wired to try to like, let's build a billion dollar company. Let's, can we do this? And that that's going to increase stress, you know, a hundred X or more. Uh, If you do it right, you don't have to work till you're 60. That's kind of part of the deal. And so um, I've had to learn how to be transparent with my staff. Give up control because you can have control or you can have growth, but you don't get both those. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You have to recognize you've got to be able to hire really good people, and then understand that you hired them because they're better at their job than you would be at their job. Um, I have a tremendous uh, COO. My he he was an engineer for Boeing, left Boeing to come work for us. Uh, my my who we call our CXO. She's our basically head of HR and customer service. She's ten times better at that job than I would be, right? My. My um, information guy, my CTO, marketing—all that. Like, I can't do any of that stuff as well as they can. And so, to be able to turn over that control is really important. And it's very difficult for people who are wired to go, "I'm a perfectionist. I'm a. I've got superhero mode. I can like save everything." You can't. You you certainly can and build a nice little business for yourself. But you're never going to grow a multi-million dollar, eight-figure, nine-figure business. That's never going to happen. And so. Learning how to do that over the years has been really, really key for us. And then, and then part of this stuff that I learned when I owned the gym is we have really clean systems in place for everything. We're hyper-organized, uh, and being hyper-organized allows me – so some people that probably hearing that sounds like, oh, man, I don't know if I'd want to work for that guy. What being super-organized and having great systems in place and having owners of those systems that aren't me allows us to do is I no, I no longer have to micromanage. When you don't have the systems, you have to micromanage. You're constantly on people, like, why didn't you clean the place this well, or why didn't you do send out this customer service email this way? Well, if there's a system for those, and they own them because they own that category, then it changes everything. So, so learning how to really uh, give credit where credit is due with great staff is is key. Like, you can't do this on your own, and that was a, that's been a big life lesson for me. Even in the midst of the of the lawsuit, being able to lean on the team. Um, You can see why people that go through hardships together, whether that is a sports team, whether that is a battalion of, you know, guys in the army. And I'm not saying what I went through as war at all, but you can just see the commonality of people who suffer together. They they draw closer together. And so um, learning how to find some joy, even in the midst of the of despair, has been really, really important for us. And it's allowed it's allowed the the great times to be that much more full of joy. Um, and so it's just a blast, man. I love what I do. I still love to coach, but I love being a CEO of a company. I love being the founder of this. What is really a tech company? And you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Really what we're trying to do, Aaron, is we're trying to, we're trying to redefine personal training. Personal training broken, right? It's full yeah, of 18 year old kids with purple polos on and Bosu balls under their arm with a name tag that says trainer. And like, that's not who we are. But if you're in rural America or even if you're in a big city, finding, getting access to a great coach is incredibly difficult. A great trainer, incredibly difficult. But here, if you've got a cell phone, you can get access to a professional coach. I and mean, I'd love it for it to be us, but there's other great outfits out there as well. Great businesses out there that provide it. That's what online coaching is able to do. And so now you can train anywhere you want, anytime you want, with the equipment you have. We have American military guys stationed in sub-Saharan Africa, Afghanistan, Europe, they can all do this stuff because they have access to a great coach, who might be in Dallas or you know anyway, San Francisco or anywhere. But they're working with these guys are all over the world. That's a pretty cool thing that we've been able to do.
0: Absolutely. Was the was the lawsuit the hardest professional thing you've had to go oh, through? Oh, f- by not even dude, far, not, even, far, right? not even close. I've, it's a man, it's a you, man
1: killer. It's a man it killer.
0: It is. It uh, and uh, I've known you sort of through this, and yeah. I've kind of been you know from a distance watching and and having the opportunity to talk to you. I mean, I can only imagine you know even today it being behind you you probably suffer emotionally almost a bit of PTSD right because it was such an emotionally brutal fucking thing that yep. you have to go through that um you know i don't know that you'll ever get over it you'll probably not. you'll probably you know, obviously you manage it and success, you know, that's, that's incredible, but it's still in the back of your head. And I think that's uh, just something that, that is amazing to see that you overcame it and that you sort of weathered the storm and got through it. Not that it was easy, obviously, sure. but it's what makes you stronger. And, and I mean, I don't know if you'd take it back or if there was a way, if you could go no, back I, in time, I, you had I wouldn't to change it. it. Yeah. Yep.
1: It's, and we're better. I'm, you know, after being on the other side, you go, gosh, we're so much better than we were. Having now that now gone through that, it's and it's listen, I hope I, I wouldn't wish a lawsuit on my worst enemy on anybody. Um, the reality is this. It won't be the last lawsuit I go through. Probably when you own big businesses like this, you go through lawsuits. Part of the deal. Uh, the next one won't be as pain, part of the part of the terrifying piece of the lawsuit is you just don't have any idea what to expect. You've not been through one. And so it's terrifying. And along with that for this lawsuit were the personal relationships were lost as well. And like I said, it was my mentor that sued me. And so that was really difficult. So having one of that effect, it probably isn't going to happen again. Uh, But even for everybody listening in your everyday life, every time you have to have an awkward conversation, nobody likes to have awkward conversations, right? But you have that awkward conversation. The next one's a little easier. I hate confrontation just, and I have to have them all the time. I mean, I own a great big company, but... I don't like it any more today than I than back then, but I recognize that when a discussion needs to happen, it's a cancer to not let it to not do it. And so now you can take those things head on. You can figure out how to treat people like a person. You can give them dignity in the midst of those hard conversations, those crucial conversations. And uh, there's a lot of lessons to be learned there, even out of those things as, as difficult as the tragedy of a lawsuit. And so, yeah, I'm, I am kind of thankful that it happened. God, I wish I hadn't had to go through it. I wish we could have reaped the benefit without going through it, but I don't think we could have. And so, and it's nice to be free, honestly, at this point. So now you're free, the lawsuit's over, and you're not just free from the lawsuit, but you're free to be your own brand and your own team. And you don't have to follow the culture of that, old, that business. Like you get to set the culture for the business. And we're super intentional about that culture.
0: All right, Matt. Last question. What is the one tip you'd give an aspiring entrepreneur out there that's thinking about doing something a little bit different or thinking about going after their dream? Like you said, not everybody is built for it. Yeah. Not everybody is cut out to be an entrepreneur. It takes a different kind of stomach. It takes sleepless nights. It takes you being willing to be uncomfortable and purposely putting yourself in that situation, kind of like the gym, you know, or right. working out. And, um, but what is, what is your best piece of advice for somebody that is thinking about starting a business and, and wants to go after their dreams?
1: That's a, that's a great question. The first part is this, you, you really got to be smart and there's nothing that you can do about that. Right. So there's this piece where you've got to have, you've got to be intelligent and, and listen, you just got to have some self-awareness there to know if you are right. If your IQ is 85, it's not going to work and that's okay. (laughs) I mean, look, I, that's a harsh, that's a harsh answer. Right now that's not a, what can you do? But like, we got to have some self-awareness. People who are successful with this have some combination of intelligence, likability, and work ethic. And the only one you can really control is the work ethic. Your likability is sort of your personality. Now, you can tweak it a little bit, right? And you can work real hard to be as intelligent as you can, but you're kind of born with that deal. So some of it is you also need to recognize if you, if you are successful at this. Some of that is thank your mom and dad. You've been blessed a little bit with the right genetics to do it. If you recognize that you've got the right personality to do this, Never, ever stop learning. Dude, I read constantly. I listen to podcasts constantly. I'm listening to audiobooks constantly. I don't want to be out. There are so many people who have done this better than me and written about it. I want to learn from their mistakes. I want to learn from their lawsuits. One of my favorite books is called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. It's awful, and it's so good. Because it's a guy, it's one of the most uh, successful venture capitalists in the world now. Uh, ben Horowitz started a company that almost died multiple times over and over again. You know, you've talked openly about, about the, the bankruptcy and all that stuff that you've had to go through. Like that, I want to learn from those guys. And I can't do that if I don't read. So people spend too much time working in the business and not on the business to actually ever grow a business and working on the business is all about pursuing knowledge, reading, never don't ever think you're too good to learn from somebody else. That's a, that's the biggest one for me,
0: Matt, where can people find you?
1: barbelogic.com and we're easy to find. Google Barbellogic or Matt Reynolds. We're Barbellogic on all the Instagram channels, or I mean on all the social media channels, including Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that fun stuff. We got a great YouTube. If people want to find out about us, YouTube's a great place to start. We've got really high, very similar to yours. Actually, your your channel was very instrumental in ours. Those high, very clean-looking, well-produced, short videos, that's what we do on YouTube. Lots of four-minute and under video, how-to videos, how-to lifts, Uh, that's a great place to start and get value out of our company, even if you don't become a client. So Barbell Logic on the website, any of those social media, uh, that's always a a good place to go.
0: Matt Reynolds, thank you so much and continued success, my friend. It was amazing. You're Thanks, brother.
1: Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks, guys.
0: Bye-bye. Gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you dug it, make sure to drop us a review, also a rating, as this helps the podcast reach more incredible gentlemen just like yourself. And don't forget to subscribe, because it's free, and you don't want to miss another incredible episode. Guys, thank you so much for your continued support. I think you're amazing, and don't forget how awesome you are.